This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download Podcast. I'm Tom Duncan. And I'm Ethan Hamilton. And we're continuing our uh, rankings section for the week. So uh, on the last one, we got through wide receivers and quarterbacks. Uh, we still got running backs and tight ends to go, and then maybe the overall conversation. So uh, you had selected to go running backs. Um, you know, I, I went first on all of these other ones. How many did you have for running backs? I have 20. Okay, so then uh, we'll take my um, 40 through 20. And uh, I'll just go down the list pretty quickly. A lot of these guys are either um, secondary guys or, you know, not, um, you know, have been productive in the past or have some question marks. But uh, I don't really look at them as like number one uh, or number two level uh, projected going forward, at least not at the uh, current mark. So I'll just run through them quickly. Uh, Number 40 for me is Devontae Freeman. I misspelled his name on my list, but um, he still got the potential to be productive. And I thought um, he could have been productive last year. Um, Again, it's health and uh, system. Um, I think since uh, Shanahan left that offense or that system, if he ends up in the right system, I think he has fantasy viability. Um, But we'll see moving forward. 39, James White staying with the Patriots. Uh, Your question how he's going to be moving forward. But um, again, still a productive starter, depending on who the quarterback is, uh, since he's still going to be in the same system. Um, Number 38, Ronald Jones, the second, this is more of an upside one for me um, being potentially in Tampa, but I think Tampa is likely to take a running back in the draft somewhere. um, And then that automatically moves his value down. Uh, Number 37, um, possibly one of the best or uh, top um, handcuffs. I think I made the point that I think he's the top handcuff to one of the elite backs, Alexander Madison, uh, number 36, Darius Geis, 35, Tariq Cohen. Again, Cohen catches a lot of balls. It's just a matter of which weeks he actually has full viability and which ones he doesn't. I think he actually is upgraded if it's Nick Foles playing over um, Trubisky, but that's just me. 34, Sony Michelle, younger guy, uh, could have a bounce back, but his catching or lack of catching really makes him uh, unviable. 33, Malcolm Brown, could be the starter for the Rams this year, but we don't know moving forward. Um, it's more of uh, that I think Darrell Henderson has a better long-term future. Uh, 32, Rashad Penny. I, this is a guy I would possibly have higher on the list if it weren't that he had a knee injury going into last year, and you don't know what that situation in Seattle is going to be moving forward since both of them don't look like they're going to start the season. Um, 31, Tevin Coleman, um, the highest paid back currently in that backfield for the 49ers. But again, anybody can be productive uh, for the 49ers in kind of those Shanahan offenses. 30, Raheem Mostert. Um, kind of was the hot commodity uh, back half of last year and going into the playoffs, but uh, is he even going to be the viable starter moving forward? You can, on a year-to-year basis, um, make predictions on those Shanahan offenses. You just have to kind of play it by year. 29, an extremely um, uh, productive back, but again, uh, injury concern. Chris Carson, he missed the last couple of weeks of uh, last season, was out for the year. Um he doesn't look to be on pace to start the year. Um, we don't know moving forward. 28, Damian Williams, highly productive in the playoffs and in short spurts, but over the long haul, um, really had some struggles when everybody thought he could be in the top 10 viability, given that he's in a chief system that produces number one elite backs. Like if the Chiefs were to take somebody in the draft, they're automatically a number one back. That the Just, you know, you cannot focus on the run when you have Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Miko um, Hardman, and Sammy Watkins li- lining up there, and the fact that those Andy Reid offenses always produce guys well. Uh, 27, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt actually was extremely valuable in PPR settings the second half of last year. He became their receiving back. Um, 
He re-signed with Cleveland a little bit to my surprise. Uh, I'm wondering if he's trying to um, get his life on track by being close to home as much as possible. He played college ball at Toledo. Um, so I, I, I wonder a little bit there. Um, so his value is a little bit limited by being the backup to Nick Chubb, but I do think he has better fantasy upside and value um, in his receiving value moving forward as a potential viable flex option. 26 was a top 10 back from last season, uh, Austin Eckler, who I just think simply gets downgraded because he's still not an every down back. Um, he was a target hog, but it was for an offense where they had to get the ball out quickly. Um, Philip Rivers was trying to constantly dump the ball down to him because he, of the line issues and who is the quarterback going to be. Plus, what's his long-term value? Uh, and some of that will come to play as we kind of go along on this list. Uh, 25, Darrell Henderson Jr., high upside guy. If you end up being the number one starter in the Rams system, um, you you potentially uh, have uh, um, something going forward. But uh, I'd like to see it since he didn't. He wasn't even uh, the number one backup to Todd Gurley last season. Uh, I think um, the Rams think highly of him, but let's see it first. 24, carry on Johnson, the guy with a lot of promise. Um, has been productive at times, but injury history, um, viability is a long-term every down back. Just don't know. Uh, 23, Todd Gurley, still in spurts, can be an elite level player on a game-to-game basis, but you don't like his long-term value. 22, Jordan Howard, uh, he's going to be the number one back in Miami. Um, so it drops some of the other guys that could have potentially been viable, like Kalen Balaj. Um, and you still give credibility to guys who are going to get number one stats. Um, but, uh, his lack of catching is still going to downgrade him on this list. I do think he ended up improving some of that last year and had a few, uh, catches out of the backfield in that Eagle system. And it does, uh, move the guy that's ahead of him from the Eagle system higher on my list. Um, but he's, you have to have catching value almost anymore to be one of the elite level backs. 21, Mark Ingram, highly productive guy, highly productive system. Um, fantasy, not only fantasy viable, but fantasy elite. But how long, I mean, he's over 30 um, in that system already. And um, he still is not producing with a lot of catches. Um, I actually think a guy that could have snuck up on this list and probably should be on this list um, that if you have Mark Ingram, even if you don't have Mark Ingram, but you need to roster this guy's Justice Hill, a uh, guy who was getting a lot more touches uh, at the end of last year and going into the playoffs, and with the productivity um, around how they're running that system, um, he's a guy that you're going to want to have because just being in that system makes him fantasy viable. So uh, any questions on 40 through 21 for me? Not really. Um, I have some guys a little higher, like Kirion Johnson. He's in my top 20. Um, but other than that, I don't have anyone in mind that you had in yours. Oh, Chris Carson, I have at 19. Just best possible situation if he gets healthy. I feel like he's a top 20 running back. It's well, just I think health. so, too. It's just yep. a matter of health and long-term value. Right. So I yep. could easily see where, uh, like Seattle last year or a couple of years ago, spent a number one pick on – um, Rashad Penny, but then he didn't become the fantasy starter. Then they started mm-hmm. seeding carries to him at the end of last year, kind of at the behest of Carson. So if it's a split backfield, he's not going to be as productive. If they draft somebody or bring somebody in um, to be the starter for the first few weeks, do they end up taking over the starting role? I just think there are too many questions, and that's just me looking at it because currently I own both Penny and Chris Carson. And I've always loved the Seattle situation because they do focus on running the ball with uh, Russell Wilson being there. But again, they have two uh, productive receivers and they signed Greg Olson this year. Uh, How much are they going to run the ball and when are these guys going to be back and healthy? So that's that's just going to be the question mark for me. Yeah, just best possible situation for me. I would have him in my top 20. And then starting off for me in my top 20, I'll go 20 through 10. Um, Mark Ingram is my number 20. Um, strictly because of age, but man, has he had a really good career? Like, you know how he wasn't as those first couple years, people were like, Oh my goodness, is he a bust? Is he not going to do? And then he kind of just came onto the scene and he hasn't left since. So good for him. Um, Mark Ingram is number 20. Um, 19 is Chris Carson for me. 
I have Melvin Ingram or Melvin Ingram, Melvin Gordon at uh, 18, just because he's a clear cut number one guy. And I, yep, I just think um, Lindsay and Royce Freeman, uh, they're going to be pretty non-existent from this point forward. Um, Carry on Johnson. I have number 17 for me purely because of potential and upside. I heard everything that you were saying, and I believe everything that you're saying too. Um, this is kind of a make it or break it year for him. So I'm, I'm putting my money on him. So I have him at number 17. Uh, Devin Singletary is 16 for me. Um, I have Le'Veon Bell coming in at 15. Uh, Marlon Mack, I actually have at 14. Miles Sanders, I have at 13. And I, this was one I was tossing back and forth each time. I believe he should be in the top 20, but 13, now that I'm looking at it, because it just depends on day-to-day for me, because, you know, I move my rankings around just as much as you do. Today, I feel like 13 is high for him, but that's why I have him on my rankings right now. Um, 12, Kenyon Drake, especially because what he started doing at the end of the year last year. Um, and number 11, I have Leonard Fournette. Okay. How, how does that go with what you are doing? So, um you are going to have one that's going to be significantly ahead of mine, which I figured was going to be the case. Um, you and I just, and we've talked about it ad nauseum already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did not have James Conner in your list, and you Mm-mm. did not have Le'Veon Bell. Now, James Le'Veon Conner... Le'Veon Bell, I do. Le'Veon Bell is 15. Oh, I, then I missed that. Um, Gordon, I just... That's a weird one for me. Like he had such a down year when he came back last mm-hmm. year that I, I don't know, but he has the ability and he was a touchdown. Uh, he cop. scores touchdowns. He just scores touchdowns. So, yeah. So the difference for me, like wide receivers, you can barely predict um, touchdowns. Like right. it's, it's incredibly difficult because there's so many things that go into it. Like passing touchdowns for quarterbacks is a lot easier and the most bankable one is is uh, touchdowns for running backs. Like, you're never going to get – I'm not going to predict that um, uh, Aaron Jones is going to have another, you know, 16 touchdowns on the ground. But could he be double-digit touchdowns? Probably. Just because they gave him a lot of goal line work last year and he's been viable and some of those things. Like, that's a little bit more bankable than for me than um, saying, um, you know, Julio Jones is going to have three touchdowns or – you know, seven touchdowns or whatever that that's so up and down that that's not even a factor. I look at half the time for wide receivers. Um, so, uh, that, that's not going to be a problem. Singletary, I had higher and it's again, um, I think they have more, uh, upside in that offense. I think they have, uh, the potential to be better moving forward. He really was productive. Um, once he got going and he was the full-time starter, he's got a little bit more of, a uh, uh, role in the the passing game than some of these other guys like Fournette is not a huge catches guy um, and Sanders is not it, the, like the Eagles are already slow playing the fact that Sanders is an every down guy so I'd like to see how he fits into that new Eagles role where the Eagles have constantly been putting three guys uh, forward as um, uh, running backs in a rotation so, like, Boston Scott's not going anywhere, and they're going to have somebody else that they're going to try and rotate into that. That's my concern with the Eagles is the system more than anything else. And I put James Conner in the top 20 because he was elite level two seasons ago. Like, again, we forget how bad the Pittsburgh offense was when they had no quarterback. But there are guys that are productive and valuable. Like, that offensive line is still pretty good, and he had uh, – you know, a large portion of his um, fantasy value was in receiving. So I still think he, if given the opportunity, is in there. Um, I personally like Marlon Mack just from a fantasy viability standpoint, but he's, again, another guy that he's not going to get a lot of catches. And the same thing goes with David Montgomery, where we all thought going into last year he was going to be, you know, a great player, um, I still think he has high upside with the Bears. The Bears always seem to churn out good running backs, but like he was really terrible for most of the year to last year, and I'm just still kind of like shocked at how bad he was, given what I saw in college and what I thought he could be. But some of his passing game work is going to be taken away from by Tariq Cohen. The difference is, is this is his second year. 
you're looking at younger versus older. Like Le'Veon is not 30 yet. I think he's 28 or 29. Um, at, but his system work has gone down and his um, overall um, touch rate went down as the season progressed and Sam Darnold came back. He actually was more productive as a back when Sam Darnold was out, which concerns me. So, uh, you know, I'll just run through mine quickly then. So I had 20 Le'Veon Bell, 19 David Montgomery, 18 Marlon Mack, 17 James Conner, 16 Miles Sanders, 15 Melvin Gordon, 14 Leonard Fournette, 13 Joe Mixon, 12 David Johnson, 11 Kenyon Drake, 10 Devin Singletary. And honestly, um, I probably should have Kenyon Drake flip into the nine spot. Yeah, I mean, you could. What he was doing at the end of the year last year was pretty damn incredible. Well, and I again, this is another one where it's going to come back around when we do blind resume. So I'm kind of burying the lead yet again. Where uh, I, I I tended to make a point with all of these, so I'm actually going to do. I'm going to put Drake at nine. Just again, he's a younger guy. He's going to be the number one in a highly productive offense. I'm curious. David Johnson is a curious one. I'm higher on him than you are. I, I just simply am. And yeah, I don't, you are. I don't even know if he's on your list. I, I don't know. Nope. No. <laughs> but no. he's going to be the number one every down running back uh, in a, you know, at least fantasy valuable situation. He is better than Carlos Hyde. And Carlos Hyde had a thousand yards last year and half a dozen touchdowns. And this guy's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. So he is by far their most talented player not named Deshaun Watson on offense. And I don't see a situation where he doesn't have at least two years of productivity in him where he's valuable. And the only reason I still put him ahead of somebody like Joe Mixon is, is I just don't like what is what is the situation with the Bengals? Are they going to split carries with him and Bernard yet? Uh are what's what are they going to be? I honestly have no idea. If Joe Mixon ends up being Todd Gurley um, by this time next season, um, bully for him. But I I honestly don't know where it's going to be. Like Mixon is incredibly talented, but he's in a shitty situation, like a terrible situation. And I just don't believe that the Bengals are going to be coming out of that because their offensive line is terrible. Like he was highly productive uh, toward the end of last year, but. I just honestly have no idea moving forward what he's going to be. And there are guys that I think are better proven commodities moving forward um, than he is, even though I put him ahead of um, guys that had a little bit better um, or better track records than he did, uh, like Leonard Fournette. We are going to get into Joe Mixon later because he is in my top 10. So I'll just destroy you on that later. But let's talk about Leonard Fournette right now. Um, okay. You weren't saying, because you weren't, you were saying he wasn't heavily involved in the passing game, right? I don't, th- now I haven't remembered the exact numbers, but I don't think he's on the same level as some of these other elite guys. Leonard Fournette, um, he had 265 carries last year for 1,152 yards. He only had three touchdowns. I feel like that's where a lot where the numbers are skewed. The dude had 100 targets last year. He had 100 targets. He had 76 catch. Yes, 100 targets. He had 76 receptions and 522 receiving yards. No receiving touchdowns. Well, the receiving touchdowns is a weird one anyway. Right, but But that's where Leonard Fournette, if you want to – um, say anything that went wrong last year was that he didn't score any touchdowns. He had three total oh. touchdowns last year. I mean, um, the, the other argument against him, and I, I'm glad to be proven wrong on that. I just, his other thing is health more than any of these other elite guys is he's had health issues going back into college. So like, you know, you, he's not going to be there every game, but he has extreme value. And I think he has running back one upside. It's just, there are more question marks on him for me than just about anybody else on this list. I have him at 11, and then I have Derrick Henry at 10. I could switch them back and forth every single day um, because Derrick Henry, you know, they're both kind of the same type of runner, like a bruiser, and you never really True. know when they're going to break down. So True. that's why I have Leonard Fournette at 11, Derrick Henry at 10. Uh, moving into my top 10, I have Josh Jacobs at number 9, 
surprising. Um, I really thought David Montgomery was going to be the running back to come out of that class. Um, you know, I know it's only been a year and everything like that, but Josh Jacobs looked like a pros pro last year. Um, I have Aaron Jones does need to add some level of receiving ability to that. His was a little bit limited and he had some health concerns where like coming out of the draft, we were all concerned. The fact that, um, he uh, had not put in a full year's worth of work at Alabama, and then he got full starter carries with the Raiders. You know, what is that going to be going forward? I can see him moving actually down this list instead of up, but that's just me. Um, so then I have Aaron Jones at number eight, and then I have Josh, or Joe Mixon at number um, seven. Okay, so that that I'm gonna just stop you quickly. Oh, so, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> just I'd like to hear your argument for Nixon over Aaron Jones. Um, just pot- straight up potential. I just don't think um that I still think Joe Mixon's best football is ahead of him. Aaron Jones, okay. how are you gonna get too much better than what you did last year? I mean, the amount of touchdowns that he had. I mean, I think he might have a few more receiving touchdowns, but. That many rushing touchdowns, is, I just, I don't see it. Um, and then just the longevity of Aaron Jones, like he's never had this type of a workload before. And so just in the next couple of years, I just think Joe Mixon will end up being a better, and that's only at seven and eight too. So they're kind of about a horse apiece. Um, but that's why I have Joe Mixon ahead of Aaron Jones. But you're right. Aaron Jones was a lot more heavily involved in the passing game than Joe Mixon was. I just think the addition of Joe Burrow is going to help Joe Mixon out that much more, too. So based on last year, like everybody has Aaron Jones like as elite level and you're kind of forced to. Honestly, if I had him as a commodity, I'm selling as much Aaron Jones stock as I can. And it's Mm -hmm. for reasons. One. He is not going to be a high-volume guy. He's just never going to be. His efficiency, though, was the highest in the league, higher than McCaffrey. Like, he had, per run, per reception, per everything, by far his touch or point per touch was the highest in the league. And I don't think you can sustain efficiency. I mean, look at Kamara two years ago by comparison, or three years ago even, by comparison to his second and then his third year where like the efficiency drops off what translates is volume. And I don't think he has long-term volume. He's in a better system, but here's the other uh, part of this that I am concerned about, you know, as far as his long-term value. And this is my concern with every running back on this list, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson's contracts affect everybody. That's a younger uh, running back on this list. So, like, McCaffrey, I think, is going to be playing on the last year of uh, his uh, regular deal. I think they have to figure out whether they're going to uh, give him the team option, which is essentially like a franchise tag situation for a first-round pick uh, for next year. Um, Or they're going to move on because they don't want to devote so much cap space uh, to that guy. I think you have the same thing when it comes to a couple of these other guys. So I I don't remember... I think Dalvin Cook might be on his last year with the Vikings uh, on his rookie deal. But Aaron Jones, after next season, do the Packers even re-sign him? Like, that's a concern for me where he's going to demand top dollar. I don't think the Packers are going to be able to give it to him. Um, Some of these contract situations do make the difference because Le'Veon Bell is a perfect example. He is an extremely talented guy, but in that Steelers system, he is elite. And now he's with the Jets, and he drops down the board. So, mm-hmm. like, if these guys start moving situations, um, such as McCaffrey ends up in, God, I'm trying to think of what's what's it. Um, I'm trying to think of like the the oasis or um, the pits of despair uh, situation. Um, McCaffrey ends up with. Good Lord, the Bears. Like, and he's got to have cat catches from Trubisky. Like, yeah, he's going to have value, but is he going to have the same value as he had in that situation? Or he ends up in Washington. There, there's a, there is like the doldrums of the NFL. Like futility, the Redskins have become the Knicks of the NFL. So, I, I, 
some of these guys moving around. And I have more concerns with Aaron Jones than I do just about anybody else on this list. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, sums up kind of exactly what I was saying. The amount of work that he's getting, like, is it worth it? And he can't really – I love Aaron Jones as much as every other Packer fan does too, but you got to be realistic at some point. Um, and then just Joe Mixon, you touched on it too. I mean, he had 1,100 yards behind a terrible – terrible offensive line i think just adding a quarterback and then hopefully they do some line work as well um can just make him better but like i said he's at seven aaron jones is at eight i have nick chubb at six which he could be higher i have delvin cook at five kamara is at four which i could drop down and then zeke is at three i have barkley at two and then christian mccaffrey i have at number one just because you can't argue what he did last year like well, you earned it. Honestly, I could flip them, but I, I just I think Barkley has the uh, better body type for longer term value. Um, I think he's also um, one year behind in um, total. Um, like, I guess what is it? Um, I don't know if it's age, but um, carries. So, like, I, I do give him a little bit on that, and. I, I don't know. Honestly, I I put Saquon number one um, just simply because I think McCaffrey probably reached a peak, but like his season last year is so ridiculous that it's it's hard to fathom how much different. And again, that's going to come back around in um, blind resume a bit. So I've been leading on some of the ones that have been here, but I put Nick Chubb at six too. Um, and honestly... I could have made an argument for lower, but I just couldn't really find anybody that I really wanted uh, more than him that was below him. Um, and it's simply because, like, he had elite level value when Kareem Hunt was there or was not there. But the minute Kareem Hunt came in, like, his per game average almost halved. And that scares me, if I, especially in, like, redraft where guys are going to draft on name. Like, he was elite, top three guy, and then his carries started to decline. And that's going to be a situation for a lot of running backs where, like, are you splitting carries? It's going to be my consideration with Aaron Jones, too, where, like, the Packers want to keep him healthy for this uh, the playoffs. Are they going to feature more Jamal Williams? You know, and if they do, yeah, the offense drops down a little bit, especially also if they start passing a little bit more. Um, but I, I just don't see it. Dalvin Cook, for me, only came in ahead of him because I think the Vikings are going to emphasize the run more. Um, I think he has uh, still elite-level value. Uh, four, for me, was Alvin Kamara. Um, and it's, again, you know, these are the elite-level guys. I just like the fact that he's catching a lot more balls than just about anybody. I think his targets and his overall catches, with missing several games was extremely high, and I only see that going up as Drew Brees ages. He's still uh, a game-changer. Ezekiel Elliott, like, honestly, he's about as bankable as you're going to get. I still think he has three level, three years of elite-level value, and only the guys that could exceed that value where, like, they're just getting a little bit more touch work, McCaffrey and Barkley, are going to exceed that. Like, I can't see a viable situation where... You're really letting him go, and he's not going to be uh, biting you in the ass. Um, as a Zeke owner, I keep looking for signs of him slowing down, and he just – even last year, like I was like, man, I feel like Zeke didn't have a big a year as I thought he would have had. you know. And, man, he didn't – he wasn't there for any of the offseason stuff. He still put up 1,300 yards and 12 rushing, rushing touchdowns, 50-some catches, 400 receiving yards. I, I don't Dude's think there's a monster. person in the world, barring injury, that is going to uh, take this bet. I am guaranteeing if he plays all 16 games, he has at minimum 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. And yeah. he's likely to have minimum 40 catches. Yeah. So yeah, he, just, like, he just keeps at doing that it. Level, if, if those are his minimum benchmarks, he is top five value without, and that's why I keep saying, take it to the bank. Just keep feeding it over and over. They paid him, 
you know, they're going to feature him. I Maybe Mike McCarthy learned a little bit of his lesson, and Zeke is better than any running back he's ever had in any of those systems. I would hope that they get him the ball a little bit more than some of these other ones. And with the fact that the or the rushing, or excuse me, the passing offense is going to be better, it opens up more lanes for him to be uh, potentially viable. Again, I just, I cannot put anybody above him unless they're just absolute... Um, top-of-the-line value where McCaffrey had one of the elite seasons of all time last year, um, and Barkley, even despite having a quote-unquote down year, still was highly productive on a per-game basis where he's in that elite company, and he's just a little bit younger. So outside of those two, I cannot put anybody above him. Um, I know I forgot to kind of run down my full list, so I had Josh Jacobs at 10, I had Kenyon Drake at nine, and I had Derrick Henry at eight. Honestly, I can only see Derrick Henry moving down. Uh, his high, his catching ability or whatever else, it was not as high. And other than him having some huge rushing games and a lot of touchdowns last year, like if any of those drops, he starts to drop below guys that have catching ability. Um, and given our league is only a half point PPR, that doesn't hurt his value overall either. But the amount of touches he was getting on the ground um, concerns me going forward. And I honestly see at some point he's going to drop out of, or the floor is going to just drop out on him. So outside of that, um, any other thoughts on that? Not really. I think we covered a good portion of it there. All right. So we're about halfway through this uh, potential one. How many tight ends did you put down? Only 10. Okay, so then, like, honestly, the top 10 is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'll just run through my 20 through 11 then quickly. Uh, I think there are probably a couple at that uh, bottom end of, uh, like, 11 through 13 that you might have higher. But that's fine. Um, so number 20, Ian Thomas. I like the upside. He's going to be the number one in uh, Carolina next year. Um, again, the, it's an upside pick. Uh, 19, Eric Ebron. Could be productive, but at best he's a tight end too. Um, outside of the one year he had all those touchdowns, and we already covered that a little bit. I just I, I don't see an upside for him, um, but he could have value depending on the matchup per week. Uh, 18 Dawson Knox. This is another value pick where I think he, at some point he'll be the number one target for an elite level quarterback uh, up in Buffalo. Uh, 17 Irv Smith Jr. Um, the Vikings were running more two tight end sets than anybody last year. He uh, was brought in from Alabama. He was a high round pick. Um, I just think he has the potential there. Uh, 16, OJ Howard. Again, this is one where like everybody's confused. He was a first round pick uh, by the Buccaneers a couple of years ago. Uh, I know that most tight ends do not succeed in these Arians offenses, um, and you're looking to for him hopefully to break out. But if he doesn't do it this year, uh, I just don't know if he's ever going to do it. And then he kind of fades into fantasy irrelevancy. 15, TJ Hawkinson. Um, again, they don't pass much to the tight end of Detroit, but with where Detroit drafted him, you're really hoping that he ends up turning into something and he's got some upside value. I just... I, I need to see more than that one game in order to really move him higher on this list where some of these other guys have at least produced a few different games and are in better situations. Uh, 14, Jack Doyle. Ebron moving out and going to Pittsburgh um, just upgrades him in my list. If he's healthy, um, the Colts love passing to those tight end situations. He's going to be a target hog unless the Colts, uh, who now no longer have that first-round pick anymore, um, draft a, somebody that is going to be a, a touchdown catcher or excuse me, a um, regular receiver. But like um, they already drafted two guys last year that I would expect are going to improve their overall catchability. So uh, moving forward, you would expect, and with a potentially better quarterback in Phillip Rivers than uh, Jacoby Brissett, he's got to have value. I just don't know if it's tight end number one. Uh, 13, Dallas Goddard uh, had a really good part of last year. Um, but I still, if he, he's splitting time with Zach Ertz, um, how much value going forward when you don't have a clear number one is he going to have? That That's more of my question than anything else. 
12, Gerald Everett, star of um, many teams' playoff run, uh, had a huge end of last season, the last three games, so 14, 15, 16, uh, when the Rams really got going at the end of the last year. Uh, I look for the Rams actually to run more um, sets through him and Tyler Higby, but uh, we'll see. I just don't know if the upside is as much there as some of these other guys that are uh, more proven commodities. Number 11, Noah Fant, another high uh, round pick um, that I could see busting out. I could just as easily see him staying kind of where he is. Um, It's just one of those that I want to see it first, whereas some of the other guys on this list have had actually more productivity in the few games that they've had, and I just am a little bit higher on. So uh, any uh, commentary between that? No, not really. I mean, I have Noah Fant in my top 10, but other than that, I think we're all around the same. Well, I think my 9 and 10 are a little bit more question marks, and Fant being 11, like, he's possibly cracking there, but um, you were shaking your head a bit at Goddard. Oh, just because of what he's been doing to Zach Ertz. That's just personal. It's personal feeling. Sorry, I shouldn't have brought it into the workplace. Um, TJ Hawkinson too. I have (laughs) TJ Hawkinson too. I have in my top 10, uh, just because of age and potential. That's the only reason I have in those guys. So I guess, I mean, I'll just go through mine. So, Um, so which ones out of, uh, the, or I guess, uh, out of my potential top 10, did you not have in? Ooh, let me cross reference here. Um, I would guarantee uh, you don't have nine and 10 yeah, my yeah. 9 and 10 are moved yeah, out. I don't have your 9 and 10. Yep. Those so are the only just, ones. You're just higher on the upside of where they were taken in the draft last year and them going into their second year. Correct. Correct. That's the only okay. reason. Um, so, um, 10, I have Austin Hooper. I, I didn't even want to put him at 10, to be completely honest. I think it's a whole lot of hoopla and a whole lot of money over someone that just really, I, I think because the market is so dry. Um, but that's the only reason I put him at 10 just because of the expectations that everybody has for him this year, but I can just as easily have one of your guys from nine and 10 move to this spot for me. Um, number nine, I have TJ Hawkinson. Number eight, I have Fant. We just went through that as to why, um, I have them in my top 10 purely potential, how young they are and, um, just what I think they can be. Um, Hunter Henry, I have at number seven. I even drafted Hunter Henry and then just the injuries that he dealt with earlier on in his career, it just made, I, I needed the roster spot. So I got rid of him, but I, the potential that um, wasn't in this league, that must've been in another. No, it was, I'm pretty sure it was this one. No, cause Dana drafted him and then I traded for him. I had some, I had him at some point. Maybe. Yeah, that's I, don't possible. Know. I just, it wasn't in this league. So. Um, then th- the only question too with him is, quarterback you don't know who his quarterback yeah, is and, be. and i agree like um honestly my five through eight are in a different class and i think even four is you still have the same top three like and in any order i think moving forward you would have probably the same three as your top elite um just you know i think that's anybody anywhere right now i'm a little higher on um, you and I both are a little higher on Waller than a lot of the other rankings that I was seeing around on the internet. I have him at six. You have him at five, I believe mm-hmm. just pure potential. Um, and just yep. as much as Derek Carr loves his tight ends and as much as John Gruden likes his tight ends, yep. um, I think he'll have a big year. Zach Ertz. I have at number five, um, the bias part in me wanted to move him to four, but that's where I have Mark Andrews. Ertz, I didn't realize Zach Ertz was 29 years old, going on 30. Um, yep. He's a little he older a than I thought he was. Before he was really productive in the league, like um, when they were still in the Chip Kelly offenses, like he was just kind of silently there. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really realize that. So yeah, um, so age had a pl- factor to play with that as well, um, and as well as Dal- or, uh, Goddard too has really been eating into his target share. Uh, Mark Andrews, I have at number four, just because his uh, Lamar Jackson likes him a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, my number three, I think, is different than yours, and I'm a lot higher on him than you are. 
Um, Evan Ingram, I have at number three. Um, okay. When he's healthy, he's a very, very good tight end. But the fact yep. of the matter is the dude just can't stay healthy. Um, but when he's he's the probably the fastest tight end, um, yep. probably the best route running tight end, best receiving tight yep. end um, in the league. So I have him at number three. And then, you know, number one and two, Kittle and Kelsey, however order you want to put them in, I have Kittle at number one and Kelsey at number two. But and those honestly, two are the cream are of the crop. Of, there are a lot of people that had um, Kittle as the number one for a dynasty thing, and that's probably due to age. Um, I'll run through mine in a second, but uh, I had Kittle two and Kelsey one. But um, so, and I'll just explain mine. So ten for me is Janu Smith, um, and that's simply because Delaney Walker's gone. And I think he's been productive when he's there. And it's an upside thing where I think he's just a little bit more proven than like Noah Fant is right now or Gerald Everett. He's had a couple more seasons. Um, And these tight ends sometimes take a little while to really develop uh, into something. Uh, Number nine, I had Mike Gesicki. Like this is a guy nobody's thinking of, but he's a guy that's had like 60 plus catches every season he's been in the league. Like, he's a highly productive guy if he gets a decent quarterback situation. I think he's um, above replacement level, at least at the tight end spot, where um, people are overlooking him a bit, and it could be one of those where he's a viable starter for you. Uh, Eight, I had Austin Hooper. But again, that's more based on name than anything. And he has the ability. Uh, I just see him as maybe the third or fourth option in that offense. And given that Baker Mayfield is questionable, I couldn't put him above any of the other guys on this list. Hunter Henry's productive, but you already hit the nail on the head quarterback. Um, Evan Ingram, I like him. His target value and his touchdown share are high. But again, it's like after that rookie season where he came on and he was huge. And I loved him coming out of Ole Miss. uh, I just it's a health thing more than anything else. Um, five was Darren Waller. I see Darren Waller being the next Jimmy Graham. He is a guy that's not going to be a great oh. tight end per se, like the classic inline blocking guy, but he is going to be a highly productive fantasy value guy because he's going to play the position like a wide receiver. Like he at some point may be where, um, you know, we used to draft Antonio Gates cause he played like, and got wide receiver two value. Like that type of player where he's going to get a huge touch or a target share. He's going to get a lot of passing yards and a lot of receptions. He didn't have a lot of touchdowns last year, which is why he's a little bit farther down on this list. But I have less question marks on him going forward. If all things considered is there, like I could see Ingram going above the uh, next three guys on the list, but it's whether or not he's going to be there for you. And like on a, if he's healthy on a per week basis, sure. I can, I can see it. Um, and three uh, or four being Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, uh, I think, was a little bit overweighted, but I have to put him here because he had 10 touchdowns last year. Like, he's in a, in one of the better offenses in the league. He's going to have viability, but, like, his yards and his targets were actually lower than we thought because the Ravens are running the ball a lot, which is why Lamar Jackson has value. But he was the number one receiver in that Ravens offense, and that can't be ignored either especially if they produce at somewhat the same level that they were last year. Three is Zach Ertz. And again, that's based on more name recognition than anything else. He clearly dropped off from one season to the next. Um, I don't know his long-term value if he's going to end up staying there. He's a guy that could move down the list gradually and kind of age out. But like right now, as far as viability, you probably want him for the next two to three years more than some of the other guys, at least at the moment. One and two for me are the guys that you probably want more than any other and got a little bit lucky if you have them. Like, I remember I needed a tight end and I drafted on need two years ago. And I'm like, oh, George Kittle might be a hot commodity, but he was actually number two on my list that year. Um, My number one going into that season was, um, oh, who was the guy that went from the Eagles to the Bears? Oh, uh, Trey Burton. Yeah, I had Trey Burton, and Derek picked Trey Burton, the pick, yep. ahead of me. And yep. so I got a little lucky, and I'm like, shit, I need a tight end. All right, we got to take Kittle. Everybody wanted Trey Burton. Yep. He was and the big so name. Sometimes, yep. sometimes it's l- better to be lucky than good. It helps to be both. So 
But uh, I, I, the reason I had Kelsey a little bit ahead is uh, I like Kelsey's situation as far as the passing game with Mahomes a little bit better. And he's had uh, more years as the number one tight end. Whereas Kittle, you know, uh, I love Kittle as a long-term value. I just, at, right now, I'm not a, uh, able to put him ahead in fantasy value above Travis Kelsey. And that's just simply it. I think Kittle's the better tight end NFL-wise. Fantasy property, it's for me, it's Kelsey. But I was bouncing back and forth with it, and then, honestly, it just got to a point, what does it matter? Like, they're both it, really freaking good. So it's I just, splitting hairs. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, now, we'll just have a quick conversation. I don't think we have enough time to go through the overall list on this particular episode, but I'm just going to kind of preview kind of how I put my list together. Um, since our, and this is where it could adjust for me. So like, um, some of the lists I saw had quarterbacks going in the late twenties to thirties. Uh, the ESPN list for dynasty had, uh, I think, um, their first quarterback go at number 15, which gives me a little bit of pause. And given the fact that our league actually values quarterbacks more highly, um, than some of the other ones, I have considered moving around my list a little bit. Um, currently, my first quarterback goes at number twenty-four, um, but I, as far as value commodity, I could see him as high as ten. Like I can make a, a credible argument one way or the other going forward on either of those. I'm just not as high as on quarterbacks, and I've got into this before even in dynasty i'm just not as high in quarterbacks i'd rather um get a shit ton of running backs and get myself one or two pretty decent wide receivers and then get a serviceable quarterback that's going to score me at the very least 15 but you know within the 15 to 20 point range so i feel like i could run a lot of games like that sure and i i like honestly i can't um make a great argument against it and i can see where you come from that mm-hmm. where i have to go um oh and you know what they just opened up the renew league button so i'm gonna renew the dynasty league so let's then we go can... let's go <laughs> yeah so and the the renew button is there and done so we'll have full access here yet again so we don't have to try and do all this backdoor crap but, Hell yeah. Uh, all right. So um, I just wanted to look at what the per game values of some of these players are. So let's see here. We had, and currently I have Cooper higher on my list um, than uh, I do Patrick Mahomes. But uh, let me just look at his player history once. And I don't know why it's not coming up, but all right, hold on. Let me see if I can pull up him and Mahomes on a <clears throat> per game value just from last season where like, let's not even take Mahomes' best year. Let's take the one where he missed for injury history. But um, so, oh shit. And of course they don't have it. Damn it. What are you looking for? I'm just looking for point values overall for last year. So. Whoa. Overall last year, he scored yeah. 375. So 375.35. Yeah. And just divide it by the 14 games he played. So he was averaging uh, 26.81 points per game. Cooper, on the other hand, and let me see if I can just... Or let's just go Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas played 16 games, and he had 330. So... And that was like one of the elite fantasy wide receiver seasons ever. So he's averaging 20.63. Like, if you're telling me that uh, you're getting a six point per game value above the others, that's where it comes in the difference. And like, you look at Danny's team from last year, having the number three or the number, yeah, three quarterback overall in Jameis Winston, like, he won based on Winston having a huge playoff run during that. You look at all the point values. Um, Michael Thomas isn't even in the top 10 
like Christian McCaffrey's ridiculous year, but Michael Thomas also having a ridiculous year. The next highest guy on the list is like number 15 or 20 uh, after quarterbacks, and that's Derrick Henry. So, like, you have to have a ridiculous season in order to be feature in the top point totals for the league. And that's what I'm saying is, is I might have it a little too low and have undervalued it initially. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned um, moving into that conversation where my overall player list is. Um, like, on a positional rank, we're pretty close on a lot of these. And frankly, mm-hmm. I don't think they're all that different from the general public. There are a couple of guys that we have higher or lower you know, right. And some of them, right. again, is something hairs. But right. uh, I just, I guess that's more than anything, where do you value certain positions by comparison to others? Personally, I think you have longer-term success with, um, I, I look at running backs like having one of those elite defenses. And we mentioned this a couple of weeks, or sometime maybe last week or the week before. But, like, when you have one of those elite defenses, you know, the 2000 Ravens, the 85 uh, Bears, the 2013 Seahawks, um, the uh, 2015 Broncos, you know, some of those that like are just ridiculous. You have like a one year window where, yeah, you're probably going to win the title. That's how I look at some of these running backs, where if you hit on that one season where they're just absolutely special, you are going to have a really good shot at the title. But their window is so small by comparison to like a great offense. So, um, you know, the Peyton Manning years with the Colts. They were like the number one seed, and they only got to the Super Bowl like twice in that span, but they had a longer window where it was open than most of the other ones. And so I see wide receivers as a recipe for longer-term consistency, but you may not win the title. I understand what you're saying. And, like, tight ends are such a weird commodity that, like, trading in them is, like, a specialty thing. Like, you probably hang on to Kelsey and Kittle because they're going to give you um, position-by-position value and they're going to last a little bit longer. But I don't know. Like, long-term, I could see you trading somebody like Ertz and keeping on to Ingram and Fant if they're going to be viable and possibly getting a better return on it. I've been thinking about it. You read my mind. Like, you well, know, and I, I'm trying to get back in. I out Ertz last year because I thought that was his peak was after last I tried. Year. I tried to trade Jack Ertz last year, even before you were telling me to do it. I was trying already. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Well, I just couldn't get – I didn't get what I wanted for him either, so. Well, and I'm, I'm wondering if Kittle already peaked, and that's that's the weird part for me. Like, you, you would expect maybe the 49er offense to get better – with Garoppolo having another full year, but, like, he already set the record for receiving yards for a tight end. (laughs) So, like, how much more value is he going to end up being? That being said, you know, Emmanuel Sanders isn't there, and if he plays a full healthy year, he's really only competing with Debo Samuel for catches. Right. I I feel like you still got a couple of pretty productive years with him. I don't know. I'm just wondering if... So, like... um, and just going back to the list, uh, this is another one where it's it's a weird thing. But I actually have my first tight end coming in at, oh, where did I have? 19. So, like, by comparison, there are a lot of other guys on this list. Like, you offer me, uh, I guess, longer term. I actually might think about um, putting him higher on this for longer term value. Um there are a couple of guys that I'm looking at, like, I don't know if I really want Aaron Jones or Derrick Henry above having either Kittle or Kelsey. I mean, with top tight end talent, yeah, because the only reason I feel like that, too, is because the tight end pool is not very deep. Like, you right. either get your guy or you don't. Like, there's right. there's been years in fantasy where my tight end, I couldn't even tell you who it was. It was week to week I had to change it because – like if you don't get one of the top tight ends, like, so let you're me, gonna be drowned in. You're gonna be drowned in in a very very shallow pool. This is where it gets interesting for me. So I, I I guess here's where I'm I'm gonna ask: Would you rather have Julio Jones or Derrick Henry? Right now? Yeah, for the next two to three years. 
Man, I'm taking Julio Jones. I know how I, old I he is. Too. I do. I'm taking Julio. I, Jones, I think yeah. I would too. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jones or Odell Beckham? God, that's that one's a tough one. And that see, this is exactly the thing. I think this this um, you know set uh, like I have after the first two backs, I have several wide receivers really flanking out that top ten list, and I'm wondering if like. Because I think, what is it? The bust rate for first round redraftable running backs is like fifty percent, whereas wide receivers it's like thirty percent. Right, right. And I just think the consistency is much higher if you're investing in those commodities. Like longer term value. If you were to tell me, honestly, I might take Hopkins or Thomas above Barkley or McCaffrey. Like, I'd have to think very long and hard about it. And it's only because running backs are one knee shot away from being done. I get your argument. It's like, I know it's crazy, but like. Depending on I who think, else is on the board, too. You know, it, I mean, all these questions, too, depend on like, well, where, what am I going to get next? Who do I already have? But if I'm going to do it like this. Right now, if I had the first pick and these were the two people that I had to choose from, it is it's tough. That, that would be a tough one. But you'd well, almost want to take the wide receiver because they last longer. Yeah, you're right because they last longer. Right. So, like, okay, um, Amari Cooper or Dalvin Cook? I think I'm taking Dalvin Cook. Okay, and and like I I can see both sides of it. Like I, I'm not gonna knock one or the other, but. You know, Dallas was a top five offense last year, and you it, most people are projecting them to be better. I'm projecting them to ba- basically stay the same because I think they were already peaking out and they were losing a lot of games where they had to throw the ball a lot. So maybe that'll be different, but. Well, let me ask you then. Okay. So I have. Hold on a second. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, we got a couple of minutes. So I have a 20. So the dude's 24. Okay. And he's a running back, um, 1,135 yards, 13 touchdowns, 53 grabs for 519 yards, no touchdowns. And then against a wide receiver who's 26, he had 94 catches, 1,161 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Out of those two, who are you taking? The running back was 24? Yes. Who's the see now? There's one question that I know if I would ask, uh, it ends up giving away the game a little bit. But who's the quarterback for the receiver? <laughs> I can say like ranking, they'll be in the top ten. Well, I meant more age, but oh, um, twenty four, twenty five at the very most. Okay, young. Um. I'm probably taking the receiver. Then you're taking Amari Cooper over Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Was that how you felt beforehand? No, because like if you look at my list, <laughs> See, like, it's crazy Cooper, though, right? Cooper is like seven slots lower, and this is honestly we probably could do another two hours just on the range. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll save that for the next episode. Um, I guess because um, we're we're running on time here for the the hour long cut that we have on these episodes, but um, you know, we'll, we'll fill up the space between now and the draft. I know that we're going to have a lot different conversations after the draft and you and I have some other games that we want to play. So we'll, we'll hit back at that, but uh, um, I'll convert these quick and then we'll put these out for everybody else. I, I, I do think the overall ranking contest ends up, we could do an entire week worth of name game where, put the values up and play that game. So um, maybe we'll save that here for some filler, but um, I guess we'll just have to call it here because we're really running on it. So, um, all right, everybody, uh, we'll see you on the the uh, next one. We'll do the rest of some of these overall rankings here. Uh, obviously we have a few other fun games for everybody, but um, uh, stay tuned for the next one here. And that is your dagger. That's all for this week. And please uh, make sure to rate, 
subscribe and review the new podcast on the Tom Duncan Network, as it's currently being called. Um, That'll help everybody else find the podcast and that uh, we continue to help uh, provide you winning opportunities on your fantasy teams, hopefully get you interested in this new type of uh, fantasy football. Uh, Until next time, thanks and have a great evening. Thank you.